podcast. Yeah, Brain by Brains podcast episode 43. Yep. Yeah. Going to be from the man cave. Yeah, got a buddy Trevor Drake with us today. I gotta say, okay, I heard the sound effect and I didn't know that's how it was made. I like that. The jaw harp, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a jaw harp? That's what that's called? Yes, sir. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, it's apparently it's very prolific in like, um, in the cultures around the world because there's over like a thousand names for it. But um, one of them's the mind horse because you can pretty much play it and almost like go into a trance. Wherever. Even though it isn't as enjoyable for everybody listening, it's really fun to play. Really fun to play. Yeah, there was a really weird disconnect when, because uh, he always plays that live for the intro, but he broke yeah. it once, and so he just whistled one of the intros, and me and Billy are both like, that's what he thinks it sounds like? like is, that, is that what it's supposed to be? It's not, yeah, it doesn't doesn't translate as well, I guess, with the jaw harp. Yeah, but you obviously, like, know what but. sounds you're trying to make because you're the one who's, like, yeah. making it. So I'm focusing on, like, a different sound rather than the... It's cool, though. Well, it, they literally cost $20, so if you can fuck around with it, it's hilarious. It's, it's, if anything, it's just fun to fuck around with. Yeah. No, I mean, I can see how it puts you into a trance, but... Kind of just, just come down here and jaw harp away. <laughs> a little, little mini vacation. Yeah. Need five minutes. I feel so refreshed. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking you jam it for Jack though, don't you? Yeah, it, it's like whistling, but with an instrument because you can literally play like any sound you're trying to make in certain songs and certain bands. You can play their music better with it. So like the Who, that Mongolian band that like plays rock music kind of you nail their songs with a jaw harp or black sabbath pretty close so does it does it help the kids like calm down or sleep i mean or they think it like at first you play it and it's just like weird that you're making those sounds with your mouth and they're like what the fuck <laughs> is that and like he laughs and like jack will like dance to like songs I play, like so it's like, well, at least I play like a song if he recognizes that enough to dance. Well, th- thank you for sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> a little yeah. bit about the jaw harp. Yeah, because I mean, we haven't really talked about Trevor Drake knows a lot of things, but well, now he knows about jaw harps. Now but, I know. But yeah, no, you're a avid hunter, fisherman, outdoorsman, chef. I guess. I mean, I guess like I don't know. Are you really a chef? Chefs like when you're like in charge of a fucking kitchen, you're like yeah. calling shots and. Move people around. No, I wouldn't call my just, chef just cook. myself a chef anymore. Very... I wouldn't even so- call myself a cook anymore. I uh, the around Thanksgiving time, I took a pretty big leap in like how I work in the food industry and the food systems. Um, I'm now an executive director of a nonprofit that's focused around building resilient food systems. You guys might recognize our large event in town, the local food fair. It used to happen like in Century. Um, it's coming to Piffner, the whole band shell, mm. band walk uh, that Riverfront's at this year. Yeah. Um, and I mean, essentially, what we do is we connect the community to like local farms. Um, is it farm shed? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Local farms. <laughs> Shorten your food chain is like really what we're working on. Yeah, hell uh, yeah. This year's theme, so 
Yeah, but no, I guess my little niche is I do like to hunt and fish in a tremendous amount. Well, yeah, and you, I mean, you know a shit ton about hunting, fishing, and cooking is what I meant, too. Because mm-hmm. like, um, I know you, yeah, you were the one that walked me through smoking a brisket for 14 hours last mm-hmm. February. That was pretty sweet. How'd that me, turn out? Oh, man, it was so good. It was it was worth the effort. It was worth waking up every two hours to, <laughs> to, yeah. to, to uh, Brian or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that was definitely worth the effort. I would I would do it again. I haven't, but, yeah, that was fucking legit. Yeah, I think in the past, I mean, basically, every time we bring you up saying, like, you're going to be our guest eventually, like I say, basically, Central Wisconsin Steve Rinella. Because, I mean, I remember, like, a couple of years ago when you were much more involved in the cooking side of things, but you were also just as avid of a hunter and fisherman. And so, like, you were combining those kind of passions, like, making all kinds of crazy shit, I remember. Like, good stuff, like, delving into, like, bone marrow salad, even, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun, that was um, my graduate project my graduate degree yeah no i mean that's a hell of a title um (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah i don't i still get to do that it um in deeper ways in more system type ways and um i guess being a director of a nonprofit, there's like almost no rules right we have a mission and we find innovative ways to like bring that to the community so yeah i still get to i don't just don't get to cook as much as i once did and yeah. um you still cook for yourself quite a bit though or yeah absolutely yeah, okay. absolutely so it's not professionally yeah anymore. <laughs> just like okay. i got an awesome team or what we do is we collaborate a lot with chefs and now my role is like how do you highlight these businesses you know kind of support them especially now um but also help them in their professions and their uh, expertise, how do you make that more sustainable, more resilient? Um, yeah, I guess shortening the food chain in all different ways. Um, we do a lot of programming of education too, and uh, that kind of that's dynamic. So I oversee all of that. It could be everything from like cooking lessons to gardening lessons, um, human nutrition lessons, and the uh, yeah, obviously we got coming up here in June. I'm working on a project with a large group of people from the community um, to do a adaptive hunting and fishing introduction. Uh, like I don't know if you guys are familiar with like those badass wheelchairs with tracks that they got. Oh yeah. Yeah. So our community has access, and then we have partners in the Madison area that have. A small fleet of those. And, um, yeah, just making sure everybody... That's kind of my uh, special project I'm working on at work right now that I'm, like, solely overseeing. And that That's the job part. That is the project that keeps my, like, day-to-day fun to think about otherwise. Yeah, but are you working with, like, an, an outfitter for that? or? No, I mean, we got uh, Becoming an Outdoors Woman... Uh, that's ran through UWSP, Peggy Farrell, that, that, uh, she's in that, I mean, the services that she provides, like, mimics an outfitter, and then the DNR has a specialist, actually, that okay. works directly with adaptive hunting and fishing programs. Oh, that's awesome. 
But how it got started, like I said, we kind of, as a nonprofit, you kind of like look how you develop your community around you to um, grow with your mission. And the our, we have an aging and disability center. You guys might know it's the Lincoln Center behind the sheriff's office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, people think of that as like an old person's home, right? But really it's for people of all ages with disabilities. And... Um, so helping them bring a little bit more vibrant, you know, a little bit more vibrant culture is kind of what, like, got this kickstarted. was their want to do that with some of their programming. And then, I mean, I see since we're an organization around food, hunting and fishing is definitely a resilient, you know, um, method of procuring food. So that's how I bring us into that space as an organization to, like, organize and facilitate community collaboration so it's been pretty cool that's yeah that's awesome yeah yeah so i'm not like i yeah i very rarely cooked i mean there'll be some special times and some special projects where i'll cook but like i would say i'm not even as good as a cook on a commercial level anymore just because that takes so much energy and passion in itself that i'd I'd be like spread too thin well dude i remember there were times when you were working like three or four different gigs like all around town cooking at each place and like working at restaurants here and they're like yeah man you definitely kept yourself sharp when you're in your cooking days yeah i mean it was just fun right i like the restaurants it's fast paced yeah yeah i mean if i didn't have such big big uh i like to think big like big pieces of the puzzle um not so much small details if i didn't get to do that on such a dynamic um way i'd probably get bored of like working at a desk it's actually tough (laughs) it's tough for me to do that so well and speaking of we're looking at big picture because i mean obviously you start off cooking yourself doing a lot of the hunting yourself and just kind of being more sustainable and mindful about what goes into your food and it's kind of awesome now that you're able to work on the bigger end of that where you're actually working in communities to shorten supply lines so you're not only supporting your local agriculture and hunting and fishing but also like more sustainable and healthier food for people like i feel like yeah that's everybody rail always rails that like modern modern agriculture and industrial farming are like the two worst things and it's literally like the best solution I've heard to move away from that, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's net, it's necessary. I mean, the food system is interesting. It's like, it creates an, the mass food system right now is in such a unhealthy balance, right? It creates an overabundance of our product, right? People still go hungry though. And it's still like the people in that profession it perpetuates poverty, you know, so you're growing a huge amount of resource that's ineffective. And then the people that are putting their heart and soul making this absolute necessity happen are perpetuated into a vicious cycle of poverty. And that's at all levels, even like mass agriculture, medium to small size farms. And then I think we're seeing a lot of that now in the restaurant industry too. And like, I think people that we're cooking a lot are starting to realize that that was a skill that 
they need to be compensated better for. And yeah. you're seeing them leave, right? Like places can't even oh, yeah. hold to normal hours anymore. Right. But how do you fix all that? Because I mean, none of it's really set up right now. There's a lot of stuff wrong with it. Um, so I don't claim to have any of the solution, but I do think small victories help. Yeah, definitely. And it's like working towards building the food structure in a right, in a correct mm. manner. Because, like you were saying, surpluses. Yeah, it seems like is it weren't um wasn't like the food stamp program created because we had such a grain surplus that we needed to sell as many products made from grain as possible. So they're more concerned about selling their inventory rather than actually like helping starving people back when the, that program was initially started. I don't know how much of that's on, but it is funny <laughs> to think. I'm not saying it's wrong. I just I, well, yeah. Who knows? I, it I could be a conspiracy theory, yeah, or whatever. But either. it's like I forget where I read that before. I mean, but, I wouldn't put it past them at all. I'm just, but uh, it is funny when you think about all of the, like how hard grain is pushed. You remember the old food pyramid? It was eight to twelve servings of grains a day. That was the bottom of the the base of the food pyramid. They, so you know what I mean. Like the the foundation of a nutritious diet was supposed to be eight to twelve servings of grain a day. Well, like, I think that was part. Of the I same think that's program. why part of why breakfast cereal was invented, or there was some weird, like, like fucking I don't know, like religious fucking scandal thing going on. Like one of the one of the like Kellogg or fucking Post, one of those guys. Okay, was yeah, they they were like religious um, nut. Yeah, back Pushing in those... anti-masturbation foods. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what it was. Because back in those days, the, the food, they're like, the more bland and nutritionless, <laughs> the less likely people will be, like, trying to masturbate and do bad stuff. Yeah, so they're less just, prone to deviant behavior. They're like, here's cereal and graham crackers. <laughs> Going back to what you were talking about, though, it is really interesting how in our, you know, in our modern food, modern food system, it seems like the better a farm will produce, the less, you know, per unit their product is worth on paper. Oh yeah. And it's it's obviously like you were saying, just not sustainable, not not even ideal. You know, the, the system's not operating optimally in any way. For for really anybody involved. It's gotta be massively subsidized and even then like said yeah. perpetuates that poverty cycle. No, and like how did how do you let something so important to human existence become so... <laughs> so fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Seriously. Well, I mean, a big part of it's like the chemical revolution and when it was possible to fertilize and plant larger fields and then harvest them, it would just allow like bigger corporate farms to just, since they just have more area to work with and larger inventory or whatever, yeah. just gobble up all the small competition. Because they don't use the same like best practices for soil and whatnot they're gonna do what gets the best product short span of time oh yeah well i mean i think everything from the industrial revolution like the industrial revolution was a low time for our food systems development i mean it's kind of what perpetuated a lot of this i would say um it's I mean, think about it. All this new technology, this this uh, chemical fertilizer, chemical fertilizers. What is that? Dupont. Yeah. Um, all of, like those companies, and then just this fascination of humans are like, holy cow, we can easily manipulate our land. I I don't blame anybody. I'd be fascinated by that myself too. But you can see, like, nobody questioned anything. They were like, "Yep, let's do it. Let's." <clears throat> but I mean. Like we were just talking about with uh, 
Kellogg family? I didn't know any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I Look just, it up, I, it's wild shit. Man. <laughs> I just get a good chuckle out of, like, human beings learning how to, I mean, our whole evolution of, like, the funny ways and we've had to learn how to conquer the earth has been, like, incredible. Well, that's the thing is, that's the mindset, too, of nowadays, the trying to conquer the earth rather than, like, living in symbiosis with the earth, which many cultures have done since the dawn of time, and many continue to do today. Just our main Western culture just looks more like conquering the earth. Yeah, I think the Industrial Revolution had a big part in that. I think people really started, like, separating, like, seeing us as separate from nature, like, starting to see what we can accomplish and starting to, like, really... Get that kind of mindset. They're like, "Oh, we're we're different than." What's being the first outside. time in modern history that we actually have the ability to do that? Yeah, right. Before, right. You know, pre nineteen hundred, pre eighteen ninety seven or whatever it was. I think when Fritz Haber like did the, you know, like the Haber created the process. yeah, like the, the nitrogen fixing mm-hmm. process yeah. to create nitrogen fertilizer. I mean, we were approaching a billion people and people were starving to death yeah. all over the world because they couldn't feed them. Yeah, but now yeah. we're at eight and we throw food away and people still starve. It's Okay. Yeah, well, I think being, I'm oh, sorry, I just want to finish quick, being removed from that food chain, I think really, like, fucks with everybody's perception of, like, food and where they're getting it and everything, you know what I mean? Like, where people are, like, morally opposed to, like, hunting, it's like, I, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, we can get into that too, but it's like, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's just because they're so far removed, they think they're different than nature, they're like, why, are you, why would a smart human use their tools to manipulate and, to, you know, hurt this poor natural creature like leave them alone in the outdoors and you go back inside and eat your fucking ground Cheetos. beef you got from the grocery store like yeah. yeah like you need to eat meat from a cow that was hitting the head with a hammer yeah, <laughs> yeah like, so yeah i think people like during the industrial revolution i think the kind of mindset started where it was like oh like we're not like we're humans we're better than nature we're different than nature we're you know and then you start looking at your food different and you start getting separation mm-hmm. well that's where we lost respect for farming i think right i think we had a social disconnect when the farmer outpaced the hunter and gatherer that was probably like a step back for our society's development but where everything came off the wheels in my opinion and this is all my opinion is then the industrial revolution comes in and we start getting a glimpse of what i would consider like mass ag farming mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> the mass migration of people from the countryside living on homesteads into more urban areas yep, and having to buy food rather than yeah. we're growing, even if we're buying some of it, we're maybe growing 60% of it. A sense know? of entitlement started to happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, like I should be able to go to the market and buy grain mm-hmm. and it should be affordable. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it yeah. takes a lot of input to get that grain. And that's what we've lost all respect <clears throat> for by not uh, working for it. And well, that's why I love hunting and fishing, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the best way to, earn your food and actually know where it comes from and not take part in it. Like if you have any moral disagreements with the whole industrialized ag, the best thing you can do is grow or kill your own food. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I think um, you're saying how you you like think a big picture and um, uh, you don't, claim to have a solution to this kind of problem but um i think kind of going with that mindset of tending to the part of the garden you can touch i mean you know you can only do so much you know but if everybody is doing their if everybody's minding their own shit then everything's fine you know 
you don't have to worry about California's problems because everybody over there would take care of their shit. So, yeah, I think that's really cool. Because um, farm, farm Shed, do they do the compost pickup too? No, you guys? no. No, okay. I mean, we're kind of like an incubator space too. We promote and we have flexible resources. Like one thing we have is a commercial kitchen. So there's some awesome businesses in town that um, source locally have sustainable practices for their food product that rent out our kitchen. Uh, you guys probably know a few of them. Steens Point Sauce Company or Tap Maple Syrup. Um, I mean, it's interesting. We also have a greenhouse on site. But yeah. where I'm going with this, all this is we, we, uh, we're an incubator space for businesses. Um, they, you know, we kind of help uh, entrepreneurs establish their name build the brand, build a product without investing in that all that overhead and then when they their business outscales us because they've grown it successfully then they move on and that's when they would like. Yeah. But they already got all this capital into that. So that's another thing Farm Shed does. Um, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. You yeah. provide like a, almost a rental space. And it is. It's a total rental yeah. space to people that want to farm. Um, I mean we have two huge greenhouses and then people that want to develop like a food product or or um, a food truck, or uh, I mean, it's a commercial kitchen, so uh, whatever. There's a lot of business yeah, opportunities yeah. when you have right. that at your disposal. So, right. um, it's just I. It's a problem we have as an organization is like like describing everything that we do because it is so dynamic. But food's huge, right? We all need it three times a day, and we can come around. And, Everything could be celebrated around food and has been for many cultures, many decades. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool what you guys are doing. I think it's really like, um, I think it's like maybe more of a big picture impact kind of solution type thing than maybe you're, you're thinking. Maybe you're kind of giving it credit. I think, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's fucking super cool. Yeah, I mean, speaking <clears throat> of like not only food sustainability, but just adaptability. Like like you said, you have an in, kind of an incubator for new businesses. Mm -hmm. So like that right there is just doing so much to strengthen just like food availability in the area. Oh, totally. It's fucking awesome. Totally. Um, it's funny you mentioned that health equity and uh, really food access is something that we've pivoted to because of the pandemic right and i mean if there was a silver lining in the pandemic it was definitely that people got a snapshot of how they should shorten their food chain a little bit and they should value yeah. their farmers right it's for uh, damn sure <laughs> like, yeah. i would say i mean that was a, i would hope that it was a lesson that people resonate with and yeah. um so when you do go to the farmer's market you have more respect for it and i i really firmly believe that that's that really came out of the pandemic so it's interesting how we've taken that approach because before like before i even got to farm shed it was more of uh how do people find these local farmers like that was a huge gap and that's just how messed up our food system is is like that was a gap that you uh, like the common consumer probably couldn't identify where a local pepper was grown, you know, like it was. Yeah. Well, isn't that kind of where the big food chains thrive is the distribution aspect? 
I think you know, isn't that where like the yeah, reason? All in the yeah, yeah, store, the reason, yeah. the reason grocery store chains become a thing in the first place is just that the one you gotta have somebody that can buy three million turkeys and then also sell three million turkeys to <laughs> every consumer that wants one. Like yeah. that's pretty within tough, a week. Know? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely one thing. I you know we were just talking before this how I'm way more serious into hunting now. It's like I'm for sure trying to just provide my own meat and then. This uh, spring, I'm actually going to start a garden because I pussied out last year. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Like she said, short in the food chain. Be just more self-reliant on that. And then, I don't know. It's just fucking... It's all fucked up, man. Corporations and the government. Yeah, we don't <laughs> need them. Easy. Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> Get my own goddamn food. <laughs> yeah, no, fucking need you. I mean, I, it's still, they still provide a safety net, though. You know, it's just from... How do we improve that to be a little bit more resilient yeah and right. sustainable that's the key <laughs> word right. it should be a safety net not a lifeline right 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 yeah i think even reducing say the average person gets 90 percent of their food from you know a grocery store chain and industrial agriculture even if you could reduce that from 90 to 65 or 70 that's yeah system-wide that's massive reduction on the system Massive. But, I mean, there's a lot of skill, you know? Like you said, gardening. That's something you're going to have to learn to do. Yeah. I'm not, like... I plant gardens, and... I've got a lot to learn, you know? I'm yeah. probably going to continue to learn, and... But that's part of life. It's that failing, because you're just going to respect it that much more. So. I mean, you, yeah, same thing for hunting, you know? It takes oh, a lot yeah. of skill, and it gives you a lot of respect for where you're getting your food from, and, you know... Yeah, usually you sink a lot of resources into it before you start to... You know, yeah. see some semi-consistent success. Yeah. And I don't claim for hunting and fishing, for that matter, when you really get serious about it. I don't know if it's cost-effective. <laughs> no, no, right? no way. But, no way. I, but I do view it as a larger investment than just food because there's a lot of mental health that it's comes from hunting. Soul. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. And ultimately, if you do, you know, you can. It's better for everybody. Yeah, if, yeah. if you do, if you, if you get lucky to it, you know, it really can pay off. Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of the time, you know, when you're buying gear and stuff, it's like right away, it's, just, it's a big investment without a doubt. But if it know, keeps you out there to go, you know. Right, yeah. And if you're, even if every other year you're putting 50 pounds of meat in the freezer, I mean, that's, that's, that's a big, that's a big, huge. yeah, exactly, you know, and that's, it's not like, it's not like you have to be that successful, you know. No, I just get out there and <clears throat> enjoy the mental health aspect, like you said of it, and that's kind of a bonus. Yeah, quit separating from nature. Yeah, fucking well, that's just be yourself a back in, be, get back in the food chain. <clears throat> and you can still like work towards that. And hunting and fishing is a great way to travel, see new wild places too. Yeah, right? you, yeah, you should talk about some of your hunting trips. I know you yeah. and Dan have been out to like Tennessee, and I'm oh, sure you've been out west. And... Yeah. Um, <clears throat> 2021 was a pretty, uh, yeah, it was, it was a privileged year. Was, hey, you want to take a break quick? And yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> and we're back. And All we're right. Gonna have, Drake was going to talk about some cool-ass hunting stories. We'll start the, get us rolling with the hunting stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah first of all, just like, how, where have you been? You've been in like Canada or Alaska? Um, no, I was in Idaho in the Frank Church Wilderness. I was in the Montana, like, uh, north-central region. Um, this year, those were the two big, and then I've been to Tennessee in the, the Cumberland Mountains. Um, that was a cool hunt, uh, with my godfather. 
it was a it was a fenced hunt, but it was around fifteen hundred acres with a bow in a mountain, and uh, that was fun. But then recently, too, because I gotta talk about if you get a chance to go to Hot Springs, North Carolina, beautiful country, and I did some like backcountry trout fishing there this spring. But yeah, um, I recommend all of you go to the Frank Church Wilderness in Idaho. And what did you hunt there? Mule deer. Oh. Mule deer. Um, wish, don't ever go to Idaho without all the tags in the world. Like, if you're driving 24 hours, go out there with an elk tag, go out there with mule deer tag, and pick up a bear tag, because... And they will... sell all those over the counter there? Yeah, I love Idaho. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, no kidding. Yeah, no, no it's... Okay. You... So, I'm not going... I'll be back there 2023 for sure. Um... And might just hunt out there for years. Uh, but Idaho is awesome. You just hop online at midnight when the tags open up, have all your homework done for that, and it's over the counter. There's no But there's a, there's a limited number, so you got to get in and get them. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, the Frank Church, I mean, total transparency. It's uh, it's going to – it kicks your ass. It's huge. It's the lowest – in the lower 48, it's the largest wilderness area. It's, it's like square, one point, square mileage lines. Yeah, it's like 1.3 million acres or something. Nice. <laughs> it's right at, we were right on the um, most west border of Montana and the most eastern border of Idaho in the Bitterroot Mountain Range. So that, like the heart of the, the Rockies is incredible. Um, That's awesome. Holy yeah. Shit. Yeah, that is... It was a treat. So my first day there, and I don't, I mean, I'm a fucking flatlander. We all are. You know I mean? <laughs> like, there's one thing I learned from that trip is like Wisconsin people, we're flatlanders. So we get to this spot, it was like the third morning we're there, first like real morning we're dialed in, aconated, we're hunting. I walk up a ridiculous my it's on my phone it was like mile one mile and I, yeah, about a mile and a half but i went up 3400 feet <laughs> i was just fucking i get there just when the sun's coming out i'm like okay and there's two in this wilderness area there's two roads only <laughs> and at the end of the road where we were it, it the road just ends so like, the only one road that cars were, like, actively traveling through was wild. So, anywhere you were, you could run into an animal. It was legit. But So, I get to the top of this this mountain, essentially. I just sit down. And so, it's October 3rd or something. So, the elk, the elk rut's just finishing up. So, I sit down. The sun's coming up. And all of a sudden, I hear my first ever elk. Like, cow elk. I'm like, wow, this is sweet. <laughs> Glorious. Is You're right. Yeah. I'm like, oh this God. is sweet. I can't see these elk or anything yet, but I hear that. And I'm talking, I get up to like a saddle. So then it's kind of a straight descent on the other side of me. Um, Going down. So I look down that thing and there's just a black bear walking right at me. <laughs> wow. I Honestly, he was 80 yards. He got to about 60 yards, stopped on a rock. I knew he knew, I knew he finally knew I was there. He didn't move 
I'm telling you, the, cre- the creepiest thing about those things is how they just disappeared. He slowly stepped down on the other side of this rock, and I never saw that bear again. I don't even know where he went because, and I'll tell you, like, I should have seen him go back up over a ridge because then I wasn't at the peak yet. There's, you know, probably like another 200 <clears throat> feet um, for the true peak on the other side of the, of the mountain. And uh, I should have seen him walk over that or down back down the chute. But I never saw the bear again. Wow. So then briefly after that, these elk come across, these cow elk, and I can, like, see them. And then my first bugle. And that was incredible. Yeah. So then these two, no, three small elk were just bugling and kind of pushing each other around and following this herd of elk, um, cow elk, just right at me. And I'm talking, they walked 40 yards right across my face wish i would have had elk yeah <laughs> but no because then there was a big one like the like the mega roar i'll never forget that sound it was so cool and he and then eventually i just watched these elk like kind of spar until he came across the same ridge and brush they were they all worked across and uh he ended up chasing them up and over the ridge and then i kind of followed him for a little bit found a shed as I was like tailing them, nice. yeah, so now I got a huge elk shed. Oh awesome. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. But um, so that was like my start to Idaho. It was like incredible. Then it was incredibly hard hunting. Um, it's top like topographics there are incredibly challenging, and but it was beautiful. I'd go back. Um, I really want to go do a few, uh, Strem had to lie for you last time. Kyle was like, whose phone keeps going off? Strem was like, no, it was just when we move stuff. Um, covering for Billy. I'll shut the hell up. Mr. Popular. Modern, modern day. <laughs> modern day issues. Yeah. Too connected. Um, but no, it was cool. <clears throat> so then I saw everything from 70 degree days to negatives sleeping at night so i was out there for two weeks so did you camp near the truck then or did you backpack in and like do it so i was out there with my 63 year old godfather right so damn yeah he did a lot of (laughs) getting after it yeah he no no. (laughs) i was gonna say i carried him him. um i'm yeah not it was uh it was cool so i felt like a guide but so, no, I did go. I got myself two days back there. Of the 12 we were out there, I got myself two, like, solo backcountry where I left him at the truck. But when you see this place, it's, uh, the, even the truck's remote. It's oh, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Yeah. It was, it's down, the, it was on the, off the side, and it was just, it was awesome. God, God's country, truly, so. I don't know. Then um, I was fortunate enough to like, be invited to the next place, which is like your typical giant cool. This is in Montana now, north central Montana, not like the mountainous region, but the the sagebrush area. Um, so then hunting sagebrush was a blast, and like I said, I was invited like a month out, and Montana is super complex to tags but i was able to get a mule deer um doe tag so i just wanted to go learn the area because i was going out there with guys that hunt elk for 15 years 
So now this year I'll be going back with hopefully a buck mule deer tag because it was a blast and I saw some of those and then hopefully I'll bring back a cow elk tag. So are these gun or bow? This is all gun. Okay. This is okay. all gun. Yeah. Okay. I was just going to ask that, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was my, like, I spent pretty much the entire month of October out in Montana and Idaho this past year. And it was that's awesome. fun. But I'd never seen the West until this past year. So it was like my introduction to it all. It's a hell of an introduction. Yeah. 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 Awesome. It was cool. When you say you haven't been West, how far, like, is that so, like nothing past Minnesota or like? Well, I mean, to the cities, I, I flew and um, spent a week with my buddy in San Diego, who's a helicopter pilot. And that was cool, you know. So we did some outdoor mm-hmm. thing, but like setting foot down out west. Yeah. This was it. Minus, I, I do forget, my uh, me and my girlfriend this summer, we went to um, South Dakota, mm-hmm. the Black Hills. Black Hills, yeah. I will, I will hunt mule deer in the mm-hmm. Black Hills. That place was awesome. We crushed a lot of trout back in um, Custer State Park. It was a blast. Nice. Great backcountry yeah. trout trip. Um, it was cool as hell. And then we went to the Badlands. Yeah, I don't know if you guys been there. I've ridden through, through it on yeah. a motorcycle, yeah. <clears throat> that's sweet. <laughs> you see some stone, or some bighorns and stuff when you did that? Not any bighorns, but we saw like some bison and shit when we were in uh, Custer State Park. Yeah, that's... That, so... This past year, with that trip with her, and then my two hunting trips was like almost, you were out west a lot. It seemed yeah, like shit. almost thirty years old, and I finally felt like I've seen a good portion of the west. But you said you were duck hunting out there. I went to North Dakota, yeah, to uh, that was like, yeah, it was my first time out. The buddy that I went with his second time out, so it was. Just straight duck hunting, mallards, or um, yeah, it was mostly diver season. It was later diver in the year. Okay. We went, we went the third week in October. We only went for like three and a half ish days. So we did, we did okay. One one day it was too nasty to even go out on the lake. I mean, we had seventeen foot and a sixteen foot boat, and it was it was, it was ripping out there. Yeah. yeah. So so we did hunt one day, and then we had one morning that really we could you know we got in the spot where the wind cooperated and we. Shot a five man limit, so that was freaking awesome day. You came home with me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, had a lot of stories. First time I've been on, other than you know the Great Lakes. You know that was a, a big ass lake, so it was cool to see that and just be on the plains again. Yeah. So what'd you learn? What's your biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway Spanky. is no is look. I well, my biggest takeaway is I learned what a plots book was. Sure. So the day that we didn't, and this is, this is the first time I'm saying this on the podcast, um, the day that we didn't, that we couldn't hunt the lake, we talked to the Airbnb uh, owner that we were kind of staying in. He's a fishing guide, and he's like, yeah, you should go down and hit this piece of, um, like, federal land. It was, you know, maybe 15 minutes from where we were staying. So out there, relatively close, you know, we were like, probably 50 minutes away from Devil's Lake and an hour and 10 minutes away from, you know, the town. So, you know, driving anywhere is a long distance. So we're like, sweet, this would be a nice close place. Went out, scouted it, and found this big uh, soybean field with geese in it. Like, you know, 500 geese. We're like, oh, sweet, perfect. We only had silhouettes. We're like, we're going to hunt it, see how it goes. There was two blank white signs on the corner of the property. We're like, yeah, I don't know. Like, 
didn't think twice about it. They were completely white. We're like, the Airbnb guy told us we could hunt this. There was another dude there checking it out. So we're like, it's got to be legal, right? Go there, hunt it the next morning. Don't kill anything. Don't even really get anything decoying. You know, we saw a lot of birds, but there was nothing, nothing really working us. Thank God. And at 9.30, a warden shows up. We're like, just bullshit in the blind. And he, he just like, hear like a door, truck door slam. Nobody move. And we're like, what's going on? Like, we're just out here duck hunting. And it turns out that this piece of property was federal land open to everything but waterfowl hunting. Ooh. So and even you can you can you, we could we could have been in there pheasant hunting we could have been in there deer hunting everything else, but because we were set up for geese, he he, he was really cool about it because it was an honest mistake. But we just got you know a couple hundred dollar ticket, yeah, and had to had to deal with that. He didn't take our licenses or even you know he was like I want you guys to keep hunting out here like you know you have another day. So he was he the, the warden was really cool about yeah. it. But that was my biggest takeaway. And he was like, yeah, you got to look at the plots book. That's the only place because we looked everywhere else, checked Onyx. You know, I was going to ask, Onyx, yeah, let you down. Yeah, he said oh, that yeah. is not a legal document. And so for North Dakota specifically, you have to go to, he gave us some app, my buddy's got it. And that's that's like the plots app. And that's what you gotta. that's what you got to have. And it's because it's a federally managed species. Otherwise, all the other state managed species would have been legal there. So it was it was quite the learning experience, but we got off pretty easy. He could have really been a dick. I mean, he could have taken all of our shit. So you know, yeah. he the warden was was really good dude about it. But it was a big learning experience because in Wisconsin, I'm used to being on the Mississippi or you know out of the Mead, where everything is very clearly marked, yeah. very clearly yeah. marked. You never have to worry about anything as long as you're paying attention. You know, you're you're. It's gonna be really hard to find yourself in in a refuge or something, and out there it was. I mean, I wish I, I lost my phone in January. Otherwise, otherwise, I had pictures of it. And it was just a blank white sign. And it was supposed to say, National Wildlife Refuge, no hunting, blah, 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 blah. Didn't say any of it. So it was some shit. It was some shit. It was, it was a big learning experience. I mean, we killed ducks, but that was, that was kind of a low and a high of the trip. It was, <laughs> it was you know. Oh, yeah. I'll say Idaho is pretty lawless. Really? Back, back to the the greatness of Idaho. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You don't have to worry about that. You, you can. It's not. It's a few steps off the road, and you're you're good. You're, you're, yeah. You can shoot. It's. It, we bumped into a warden, um, and I'm talking Montana and Idaho split this mountain range. Like the closest city to us was a Montana city, and. We run into a Montana warden just before we're going up over the mountain. The top of the mountain is the, the state line. We run in this warden. She's like, yeah, things are just a little more lawless in Idaho. <laughs> and I was like, because in Montana, you got to be like Wisconsin, 100 you know, feet off the road. I right. think it, yeah, I think right. it's actually... They have, they're they? pretty highly regulated, aren't they? Yeah, I, that's... I, I see where you made... That's where I was going with that. I see how you made that mistake, and I see why programs like OnX were literally driven out of the need to understand the West public, private land better. Right. And all the different layers of it, you know? So when I was in Montana with uh, this family that invited me, my partner for the week was the dad, the dad my buddy's dad 70 year old still packing out elk on his back right like everybody's here so hunting with him for those four days 
I finally I finally saw firsthand how valuable Onyx is and this these new types of technology that we bring to hunting because he's like it took me 13 years to learn about this marker you know because it's so complex then when you get like deep into public land and they start making that checkerboard pattern they get super hard to understand where you're at without application it's it's incredible so when they let you down like they did Mm -hmm. to you and Mm -hmm. your buddy that's uh yeah it was it was very surprising yeah it's surprising Yes. Well, we even used Onyx for the winter camping trip because Billy. I saw you guys did that. That's mm, sweet. Yeah, Billy had been to the place before, but we weren't. And we're walking, and as we're going, we were seeing like no trespassing signs. So I was like, well, shit, I might as well just bring it up so we can see the lines where we're at. Where'd you guys go, by the way? So, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It was, yeah, some. North of. North of. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to light up the spot. Yeah, yeah, I, it's it's not my spot to even be giving away. So I don't oh, want to. Yeah, it was. Yeah. That's fair. Well, I just needed to know if it was around here. That's yeah, all yeah, yeah, pretty local. I wouldn't have told any detail either. That's <laughs> okay. You never know what the listeners want. Yeah, go. <laughs> no, that's all. Twelve problem. of them will be there next time we go. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> and then it's twenty four because I just noticed with like hunting spots and stuff that tends to happen oh yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. it's always like double the yeah. effect yeah. <laughs> somebody hears about a good spot and they bring their buddy where'd you guys take Terry in here up uh hunting bird hunting this year so my i kind of have a tradition with nico we've been going we've missed one year since we were both 17 years old but we go up to my parents land in like right on the edge of the schwamigan nicolay national okay. forest every opening weekend we only missed one year when i was in college and this last year, we took a big fucking group up, and Taryn came up with us, and we hunted the Flambeau River, the South Fork of the Flambeau one day, and then this other lake. That's it's a pretty pretty big lake. I don't even know how many acres. I'm guessing like four or five hundred acre lake. Up there near, a, li- a little bit south of that, but but in sure, the same sure. the same you know yeah. north central part of the state. Yep. So we we our first morning was it was all right, but. There was so many boats out there. I mean, we we went up there and scouted like two weekends before, and then the day before, we're like, "This is gonna be sick, birds everywhere." And then that morning, we got there early as shit, probably two a.m. and starting at about four, it was like just a parade of boats just putting in and going out to. I mean, it was it was. Yeah, you couldn't even write about it. The parking lot was full. Yeah, there was yeah, there had to been two dozen trucks in the fucking parking lot. It was insane. Yeah, all with boat trailers. Yeah, Yeah. it was. We still (laughs) killed five ducks. <clears throat> that wasn't too bad. And then you guys kind of did a little float of the South Fork right by my parents' land. And yeah. You killed, that's where you killed that goose, right? Yeah, it was the last like afternoon. Like You guys were packing up, and um, I think it, it was a little related why I wanted to go was when we saw those three geese fly overhead yeah, earlier in the day. Right. We're like, we know they're hanging out over there. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it was kind of like last last opportunity to hunt something. So, yeah, went with them and did a little float. That was pretty cool because we – Nico spotted them from – Fuck, I don't know how far away, probably over 100 yards away, he's like, there's geese up there. And we're like, where? <laughs> like, what the fuck? And he's like, so we, uh, and it started getting really shallow, like too shallow for the kayak. So we kind of set them off in some, some reeds. And then Nico went and walked the shoreline to get ahead of the geese to like flush them to us. So then we just kind of went out to like a little point and just kind of tucked behind that. And then so Nico just kind of ran into the water and flushed these three geese like right by us. And we fucking... We, we got 
two of them down, took a second shot to get the one I got, and then uh, Brittany's, unfortunately, got away and all the, the chaos. She, like, lost her. She's wearing, like, Crocs, I think. And they came off, and then she tried just, like, running, but the rocks were all sharp, so yeah. she had to go back and try and find her fucking Crocs, and the thing got up, and it was, it was chaos, but, uh... Yeah, they're feisty birds. Yeah, it was a cool, it was a fucking awesome experience. Like I said, we felt like a pack of wolves. Like, we fucking were like, alright, here's the plan. We're gonna fucking do this, and it fucking worked. That was dope, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a pretty good weekend. It was fun. It's nice. I love those really early season hunts, when some years it's really warm, and you can be out there shooting ducks, and, like, just chilling in, like, swim trunks, basically. <laughs> Don't even need waders or anything. It's just so nice. That's how last weekend, last year kind of was. Where I was up north, yeah. It's good. Good weather. What did you learn from it? What'd you, or I should say, what did, What do you think of duck hunting? I, I fucking loved it. That was, that was some cool shit. Watching them fuckers zoom by you and trying to crack some shots off. And then, I, yeah, fucking the decoys and the column. Just the whole experience, man. Camouflage on our blind. It's like, Taking all the reeds off and cutting my hands on them and tucking them into the, the blind to, to dress it up and everything. I don't know. It was just, uh, yeah, it was super cool. Well, what do you prefer, big game or, or birds? Well, it's hard to say. I haven't done that much deer hunting. I've done some, like, rifle hunting, but, I mean, I'm just sitting in a stand waiting for them to walk under you oh. kind of deal. And I haven't actually gotten a deer, so um, I don't know how that'll really compare, but... Um, I mean, compared to sitting in a, in a stand, it was a lot more exciting duck hunting for sure. And I liked how like, I don't know, involved it was even like floating, just, I don't know, being that close to the, to the action, you know, not like looking off 150 yards in a cornfield waiting for a deer to walk through, you know, like rifle season. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great adventure. <clears throat> what about you, Strom? Bird hunting or? I've really, cause when we went duck hunting, um, us three, I didn't have any of the tags or stamps or anything. I just went without a gun. I just took my little nine shooter. <laughs> but um, we just sat out there. And, I mean, I don't know. It was exciting. Definitely fun, like Taryn was saying. And, like, with bigger game hunting, like, yeah, like, whitetail deer hunting around here. I mean, it's a good, it's a good hunt. Don't get me wrong. But also, it's, like, more harvesting meat. But I mean, I want to try to get more into bow hunting. That's that's one thing. Like, so bow hunting, either bow hunting like for whitetails around here, or even um, one thing that'd be cool would be uh, bow hunting for fish. (laughs) Or even um, I'd love to go carp shooting. Yeah, we're going spearfishing this summer. Yeah, Yeah. Billy's taking us out spearfishing. He did some of that. Was the last time your first summer? Yeah, I got into it last summer. Yeah, I kind of got into it even late in the season. It seems like. You know, May, as soon as you can get in the water into June is the best, and I kind of got into it, like, mid-June, so. Yeah, Hopefully this year. Yeah. Holy shit, spearfishing, that's another, that's another planet. It's bow hunting for fish. Yeah. (laughs) Have you tried it before? No, man, I'm not, I'm a terrible water creature. Um, no, but, uh, one of my good buddies, Forrest, he's a... Forrest Fleischauer? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so, I... I live vicariously through his stories of spearfishing. I'd give it a shot, absolutely. Yeah, he's on a next level by far yeah. compared to what I did last year. We got in the Great Lake or Lake Michigan on. Is that the on only the spot side. you can spear him? Right? Not in Wisconsin. No, you can. No, you can spear panfish and roughfish in in most Wisconsin lakes. Really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, by us, you know, we got a lot of little little clear glacial lakes. Yeah, a lot yeah, of roughfish. So, 
Yeah, exactly. Well, they didn't even panfish. I mean, go oh, in yeah. and shoot shoot dinner, shoot yeah. some bluegills. Like, that's awesome, you know? That'd be so. That'd be a fun camping trip. Yeah. Go we'll fucking spear yeah. fishing oh. and then fucking cook something. You can just control getting the big pumpkins that are down there, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit better than right. the little dinkers that always <laughs> seem to win your, your bank. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. More selection. <laughs> yeah, it's just hunting. Yeah. What and about you get to you? see them more in their own ecosystem a lot different, too, you know? Like fish, like line, hook line yeah. fishing is so much different than when you're seeing them yeah. swimming around, you know, around a deadfall in the water, and you're like, okay, just kind of chilling. And you're like, swim towards me, swim towards me, swim towards me. I'm running out of air, and they come check out like the end of your spear, and you're just like, <laughs> you know, they put up, and they're like flicking on the end of it. You're like, yes, going to dinner. That's oh. fucking awesome. Just underwater, just just like an alligator. Just... <laughs> it is. That's what it feels like. like. <laughs> just, bah. Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. I, mean, I can't imagine what type of trip a fish is on underneath. Like, what's what's going on? That's now? what I'm saying. It's a totally different <laughs> cool. perspective than I ever considered before. That's totally cool. different. Huh. Yeah, that's... But what about you? Um, bird hunting or big game hunting? Oh, that's really tough. I would probably have to say bird hunting right now, but I haven't done any Western big game, which yeah, is on the know. list. So I think that will hopefully... You know, enhance my perspective. Sure. Yeah. But I've done much more duck hunting. Sure. Particularly. And then I also really like upland bird hunting. Okay. Go up with my uncle. I've got some family ties to do that. He's got a really good dog. So we'll go up north in northern Wisconsin and go and shoot woodcock and grouse mostly. And that's that's just a blast. Grouse is probably my favorite game meat, game bird anyways. So when I can get a couple of those, it's like, you know. They're so good at living. Yeah, yeah, they are. So good at living. (laughs) In a weekend, for me to shoot a single day's limit, you know, like which is three birds, you know, one a day, I go up there is is good because they're we'll we'll do really good on the woodcock, but this grouse, they're wily, wily birds. That's incredible. Yeah, they're just grouse are awesome. It's nice to see pheasants are starting to come back around, or well, shouldn't say starting to come back around, but. uh, there's more opportunities to hunt them on public land yeah. in Wisconsin. Right. You're talking just like getting stocked. And yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, yeah, yeah, it is. It's cool that mm-hmm. that's um, an initiative that's moving forward. So, yeah. One of the few exotics that's maybe beneficial to have on the landscape. Yeah. I wouldn't know. I, I wouldn't know if that's true, but I do know it stimulates the old hunting economic right, right, <laughs> economy. Yeah. So right. can't hate that. Right, and overall, it's not you know very damaging, which is pretty rare and yeah. exotic. I mean, mm. 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 So, yeah, hunting season. Yeah, can't wait. Yeah, I'd love can't to go wait. out west too for sure. I mean, like bow hunting out west would be, would be like the dream trip, definitely. But I don't know. So, like I said it's just hard to it's hard to say because I I got one season of some duck hunting and like we um we got some geese and we did some um did a hunting trip one morning before class um and uh had some geese kind of fucking around by us but they wouldn't come in and uh like i haven't had the opportunity to do any like field geese hunting either you know what i'm saying like i feel I've like i've done that myself yeah either. i feel like i don't i don't have that much to, i got enough data to make a comparison or even done turkey hunting or anything like that too yeah i've sat once in a blind for turkey and 
The old thunder chickens Nico was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing that I'm drumming. still pretty novice at, especially spring turkey. Yeah. So I'm excited to learn to real quick. Yeah, I know. I know. How long are you going for? Tell us about your trip. So we're leaving Thursday afternoon. I work till four. We'll hopefully be on the road by six. And I don't think we can hunt till Saturday morning, but you know, get out there and scout a little bit Friday afternoon. And yeah, like an Airbnb or is it tent No, we're just camp- camping. Tent, tent camping? Yeah. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Way to do it. I hope you guys make it up to Montana too. God, me too. I'm I'm waiting to see gas prices. That's <laughs> that's a huge factor right now. It's just like okay, it's better than it was you know two weeks ago when it's still like holy Christ. Don't bust the budget. Yeah, and I think driving to Nebraska where we're going is like nine and a half hours, and then to go all the way up to Montana is another twelve. Fuck. So 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 that leg would be you know basically over double the the length of the trip. So. We'll Lucky see. it'd only be in Koya, oh yeah, then back home it's probably going to be like... Another like 19 hours. About... No. Yeah, it's like what? 12, 13 to the Black Hills. Southeast Montana, probably, yeah. You'll be there back in yeah. 15 hours. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's still, a... Still, yeah, it's a haul. You know, that's oh, it's a such a Wisconsin thing because measure. we measure distance in time where everybody's like, wow, that's like however many hundred miles. I'm like, yeah, it's 15 hours. Gosh. But that's because it's flat here, so it's just straight <laughs> driving. Oh, it's flat. It's, um, I think driving up to the Rocky Mountains is probably the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. Just seeing such a flat. Oh, there's nothing. I, I'm curious what you're going to see in Kansas. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited to just, just the drive, because I've never, I've driven to Florida, like, twice now, Sure. I've never done, other than going to the Black Hills, uh, I've never done much driving, you know, in really the center of the country, so. You have a, you have a, no, you said, do you have any, like, e-homework done to, like, the trip, e-scouting done? Um, so, well, my buddy has been out there once, and gonna, we're gonna hit up some of the stuff that he's already been through before, okay. which is really fortunate for me, I'm not doing it, you know, just... You got to take those First opportunities. Time. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, <laughs> so hopefully that'll help. Montana will, will be going somewhere brand new, but he's been out of work now with uh, like short-term disability. He had uh, shoulder surgery. So I know he's been doing a lot of like e-scouting. Sure. That, he's been messaging me about it like ridiculous amounts because I think he's just sitting at home like waiting to go, planning that shit. Yeah. So... That's such a cool part of the country, that southeast Montana, the breaks, Missouri breaks. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard I've heard amazing things, and apparently the bird population is just ridiculous right now. But. I love turkeys. So. Another good animal. Another good animal that survives well, better than we are. Yeah. yeah no shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've never killed a spring Wisconsin turkey, or I guess a spring turkey in general. I've hunted yeah. like three times. Every turkey I've killed has been in the fall, just kind of by chance. They're dumber than the so, fall. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's it's usually what happens is I just have a tag, and I'm out in the woods doing other shit, and it's like, oh shit, there's a turkey. Let's take this. Fucking get him. Fuck yeah. Yeah, when you're not out specifically hunting them, then you're like, yeah, I don't have to worry about this guy. Exactly. I'm a yeah, predator. sat on my uncle's land twice in a blind. Once for deer hunting, once for turkey hunting. And I think both times we just saw the other. <laughs> really? Yeah. Go figure. And you're probably in blaze orange, too. I swear <laughs> to God, I've had turkeys walk up on me in blaze orange right they through. Know it. And I'm just like, <laughs> what the <laughs> hell? You can see me from two miles away. What the fuck? They're like, people won't start shooting us until spring. I know that. <laughs> they try to hide when they try to shoot us. 
But that's the, uh, I, Nico mentioned on you guys' podcast before, but I was kind of on the fence for this for a while, but finally, on its way, I ordered a blowgun. I got the big bore one, which definitely effective for, like, small games. So I'll be taking out some rabbits. You guys will be sitting on Terrence Porch. How far can you shoot that thing? I don't have it yet, but, I mean, it's the big bore one. So it's like over 50 cal. It's like 0.6 or something. And um, it's like four feet long. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of power behind it. So you could probably hit like something out to like 20, 30 yards. That's what Easy. I was thinking, like 20 yards. Yeah, it would be Easy. like out of range. And we do like breathing meditation. So my diaphragm's so strong. I'll just be a little... <laughs> You'll have be to like let... painting squirrels to trees, dude. dude yeah. Oh, You'll have to let me know how far out that thing's uh, lethal. Yeah. Curious. Well, there's um, it comes with a couple small game like blunt like knockout points, and like in the reviews, it's like do not shoot these at drywall. They'll go through like two sheets of drywall. Oh, I'm sure. They'll and don't shoot people with them. Even just mess around because like the blunt points like draw blood. <laughs> So it's like, yeah, it seems like it's pretty it's fucking scary. powerful. That would be pretty gnarly, yeah, I'm sure. Just imagine a four-foot fucking That stick. would just... <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be hard to learn how to aim, though. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be... Yeah, but think, I am all about instinctive aiming. It's, like, probably not too different from um, traditional archery, you know? I guess yeah, you're... Yeah, or even, even like, a peep sight on I think a they will have, or like, a, a pin on the like end. A, yeah. yeah. A dog on a shotgun. I'll figure it out. And just, yeah, just shooting the... They'll probably just turn into shooting the shotgun with both eyes open. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you're skilled... I'm not skilled enough to do that. I I'm sh- actually a terrible shot with shotgun. Like, not terrible, but... For how much I duck on, I'm not very good. Yeah, <laughs> I would say that. Most of the time, everybody in the group's going to be better than me. But, but, hey, at least you're trying, man. Yeah, no, I mean... But, ducks crack me up. Hell yeah. Well, dude, like you said, shooting both eyes open, that's actually what I try to do with pistols. And even, like, um, unless I'm, like, really focusing down a scope, like, but if I'm looking through the ACOG of my AR-15 or whatever, and you keep both eyes open, it, like, literally puts the red dot from your reticle onto, like, your vision. I don't know. Both eyes open shooting is just a general rule of thumb is good. So I shoot my bow. Yeah. Did you cut that goose? Yeah. How? Um, how did I do that one? That, well, I had the legs, and I put the legs, I think, just in the crock pile with some stuff, but I really don't remember. Um, why don't I just, why don't I just put them in the, uh, yeah, what did I do? Did you just smoke it? No. Because you ate the, you ate them pretty quick, right? Yeah, 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 it was probably, like, like, less, like, probably that week, ate both the breasts, and, like, me and Kyla both ate, like, half, and I was like, oh, that's a lot of meat, and <laughs> I didn't realize. Um. It's a big bird. No, shit, Huge. man, I guess I don't even remember. It wasn't that great, whatever I did. I don't think, I, I don't even remember if I, like, I think afterwards people were like, oh, you should have marinated it overnight and shit. I don't know. Yeah, I'd marinate. Goose. Yeah, it was tough. You was sauce. Big, strong, strong motherfuckers. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> goose sausage is, that's where it's at. Yeah, I'm hoping to get more than just a single goose this year. <laughs> I could fucking. Yeah, dude. Get, get some, some other shit going with that, but yeah. You should try waiting and. Goose, or, uh, duck hunting. You guys do that much? Do what? Wade and duck hunt. Like, wade in what? Just the rivers. Just walk the rivers and jump shoot them. 
Not usually very much. No, we do mostly decoy hunting. Huh. Give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. I like to, we like to float. Like, we'll do a lot of float, float jump shooting. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, I, that's pretty similar, I guess, but, but yeah, do a lot of, a lot of duck, a lot of decoy hunting. Yeah, and this next year, too, we can fucking get over to the Stud Bros shop and utilize those little decoys that are just sitting up there. Yeah, check them out. Yeah. See what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, man. This the bag of decoys? The yeah, my, both my bosses used to be in the, well, more into hunting than they are now, but now kind of business and fatherhood. But uh, yeah, there's just a shit ton of fucking duck stuff. There's, there might even be a fucking, like a blind thing. And I don't know, man, there's, there's like old waiters, but I think they're just fucking They're dirt. probably not good. They're dry <laughs> yeah, you don't want those. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't yeah when you got those. yourself some nice Bills will leak. I'm just, yeah, I was just. Thinking all the shit that's up yeah, there. dude. Especially for like time, like especially during the week, dude. Like you live so close to the river. Yeah. You do a kayak, right? No. Oh, you don't have a kayak. Okay. Well, I mean, you could use one of my don't even kayaks. college kid without a kayak. Don't even have a fucking kayak. I, I, for some reason, me? I thought you had a kayak. I don't no, know. No. But I mean, dude. Yeah, like a lot of the time, like when I was in school, that I would get up like before class. I have class at like nine and just yeah. go out and like sit and shoot like one or two. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like catch the morning flight and it's yeah. like, even if you do that two or three times, you know, a week maybe. How far? If you, you kill a handful of ducks, like that's fun yeah. as well. How far down the river do you gotta be? Like how far away from... You don't have to be there. You gotta basically be on the edge of Bukolt and you can shoot ducks too. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely hunted in a spot that island out there where mm-hmm. you can pretty much see. Yeah. Or if you're gonna like, <laughs> if you're gonna like yeah. take a kayak and like paddle in from like Redbridge or something just go back there and back. sit for a little bit for the morning like you yeah. could definitely shoot puddle ducks early season back there yeah you gotta yeah. get yourself a skiff that's where it starts yeah yeah kayak you know something like that yeah, yeah and I like start, said dude you could definitely use gotta start investing I know I know <laughs> yeah dude I mean, I got duck, fucking, hunting, I got, duck hunting is fucking expensive. Yeah, I got the it shotgun now. Got my own shotgun, so that was... Yeah, right. step by step, right? <laughs> yeah. Step by step. I want the, a kayak just for recreation. I mean, those things are fun as fuck. Yeah. And very versatile. I was going to say the opposite. I was like, all right, I'll get one, but it's only for hunting. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll borrow it on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You can use it for fun. It's a tool. I mean, you'll spend more time out on the water. Yeah, probably, maybe. Let's that see. next thing you'll get off to, kayak. <laughs> your partner will be one. Misses. Yeah, yeah. A kayak is such a fun arm workout. You can just literally just crush it. Like, I remember when we went duck hunting, I was on the kayak and you guys had the boat or whatever. Yeah, yeah I was testing I was out just, my electric motor. I was just crushing it. <laughs> yeah, workout. crashing into Billy. <laughs> <laughs> what? God damn it. That was your fault. <laughs> no, okay, it, that, was, that was weird. It was a lot different than a normal boat. <laughs> It was on the side, and it was like I couldn't, oh, I couldn't steer it so far a certain way. And then Billy was God. getting really frustrated. I was like, God damn it! Stop running into me! And everybody yelled at me. I'm like, 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 fine, I'll back up. I just like float off by myself. <laughs> was it a trolling motor? Yeah, yeah. So retrofitted to a canoe, or what are we talking? About? Um. Well, so it's uh like a beaver tail stealth. It's my dad's boat. Okay. That we haven't used in a long time. My buddy has a really nice uh, mud buddy. Or not Mud Buddy, but uh, XLF4. So we usually use that shit. But when we were up there, I was like, all right, I'm going to take this little skiff. We'll slap a little electric motor on it. We have a like a mount spot for it. But the motor, I was kind of, it wasn't perfect for the boat. I need a little bit bigger one. But I was Ooh. just testing it out. So it, it wasn't pushing us super fast, especially against the current. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then it, it, you know, it was like, if I would turn it too far a certain way, it would like, 
smack the side of the boat because it was a side mount instead of a rear mount. So I couldn't turn super tight one way unless the motor was way in the water. And then when it was shallow, I couldn't turn for shit. So that's why Strom and I ran into each other a lot. But I'm still working through it with that boat. With gear-wise, I'm trying to do it economically. So. I don't even think it was a lie. I think it was like one time, but Billy was just like, he was up to his ears in frustration. I was not. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Well, he's like... Obviously, you're the more experienced duck hunter of the group, <coughs> most experienced duck hunter of the group, so you're like, we need to get the fuck out here, like, and we were, like, running late. If it was early, yeah, if it was before the day, true, because I was expecting a decent hunt that morning, so I was really like, I'm gonna, and then we didn't even end up literally seeing a single duck anyway, so yeah. I was like, wow, cool. Yeah. Did you make it to the spot in time before the sun came up? Yeah, I'm kind of anal about being there nice and early to let everything settle down first yeah. but we were we were you know dug in by the time shooting light rolled around so it wasn't it wasn't any issue but when we we hunted a similar spot opening weekend and where Taryn and I were wasn't as good we saw a handful of ducks but didn't kill anything but where the other group was yeah. killed like two pintails two mallards and a wood duck in that spot and there was a lot of <clears throat> ducks around there yeah and you know it was like a wild rice kind of marsh yeah. so it was really you know sweet habitat so i was expecting a great hunt and i was we got out there a little late and just but then yeah i don't know that's just my how i get no I, when i'm like like excited about duck hunting it's like i get a little crazy so. hey it's okay i feel like there are times where everybody everybody gets flustered and it's yeah. it's funny for everybody else like, yeah, yeah that's the fucked up part right yeah, one of us is all pissed off the other like what the fuck's the problem <laughs> what this problem is just fucking called out fuck yeah yeah next year hopefully we'll if we go at that same time we'll just focus a lot on like the grouse and stuff because i feel like that is what that time of the year, you know, that mid-October, yeah. kind of little lull in there, it seems like is a really big lull for ducks. Mm -hmm. Just, uh, you know, it's everything residents moved out, and that, unless you get a nice big cold front in, you know, you're yeah. sitting on a lot of, a uh, few amount of stale birds, and that's it. Yeah, we were kicking up plenty of stuff. We even kicked up a rabbit. Yeah, we caught a really skills. nice woodcock flight, yeah. to be honest. We saw a <laughs> shitload of upland birds in general, but the woodcock were thick. Mm-hmm. Especially, yeah, like you, you were saying, it's just, it was just the three of us. We can only cover so much fucking... Right, area. yeah. I'm I'm sure right, yeah, and you guys were yeah. brand new at that, too, because I think yeah. you both yeah. had a lot of shots, but it was like, it's, you got to be yeah. so quick. Yeah. And then when you're swinging around those bigger guns yeah. in the woods, too, it's like, what? Fuck. Yeah. You know? Shooting tree, the side of trees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's... That's the beauty of it, though. That's how you learn. <laughs> right, yeah, when you walk out with two or three of them, it's like, ha-ha! <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely, and that's like to tie it all back. That's those are the failures that you need to suffer through to um, respect your food system enough to yeah you know practice. At, yeah, yeah, really respect. It's not it. just a given. You can't no. just go to the grocery store and there's one hundred percent of the time it's always there. Yeah, nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Need to have an active participate participatory role in it. You know, yeah. like even if you're not going out and hunting. Or growing your own shit, at least like going out and meeting the people who are growing it, like your local farmers and stuff. Right, and trying to really do, you know, buy locally, focusing on that instead of just, you know, kind of putting it to the back of your head or your outer head and not really ever thinking about it. I think that's probably a huge yeah. issue as well, as most people just do what's easier, what they can afford. They don't really consider any other options when, yeah. you know, maybe the locally sourced way is more sustainable and it could be even more economical. 
or it's just what they've always done. They've never even considered not going to the grocery store to get yeah. produce, you know, or meat. Like Whatever, yeah. <laughs> the the level of like entitlement and convenience that plays into those decisions, you know. And I say entitlement because I truly believe that when you do disconnect yourself and what's humbling about meeting a local farmer is like you get to live the season with them kind of you know you're depending on their produce you see their struggles and time the struggles and it just makes you respect it and i th- i really feel people would have healthier diets too if they respected their food to that level and, yeah and it's not mm-hmm. so much what's instagram telling you or something but like just respect your food and you're gonna eat healthier because you're gonna want to respect yourself better Mm-hmm. Right, right. Food isn't just calories yeah. or some, you know, a macronutrient. You know, there's a lot of. So I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, we just talked a lot about suffering through hunting. For for a while now, but it's all, it's all just respecting, not just the environment, but in my opinion, you know. Fellow humans too, you know, because together we'll take care of the land way better. Yeah. yeah. Well, so when you can bond like this over hunting, you know, because you you guys are just getting into a whole different world of hunting. Yeah. Um, it's just cool. It's just cool to see it grow, right? Because yeah. we all have similar similar failures in this this group right here, and we all we're, we're better people for that. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Hell yeah! It's not a way to wrap it up. All right. Yeah, I can't think of anything better than that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got, uh, <laughs> you got awesome. Instagram or something you want to plug or something about Farm Shed? Uh, yeah, anything yeah. Anything you oh, want to plug. Yeah, anybody no, interested check in Farm out, Shed? Yeah, check out Farm Shed. Check out Farm Shed. Um, you guys have a social media presence mm-hmm. or anything? Yeah, they're on Instagram. We have social yeah. media. We have a local food fair coming up. So that Like farmshed.com? Org. .org. .org. Yep, there you go. .org. Um, you know, and stay up to date. We got a lot of uh, fun programs coming up. A lot of fun programs coming up this summer. Um, so stay tuned for that. And right on. Well, yeah. yeah. So Wisconsin, yeah. you want to get awesome. involved with your food? Thanks for sitting down with us, man. Yeah, I really appreciate having you. Catching up. Catch no no problem. Problem. Oh, no yeah. Problem. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah. Hope you're always welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Marine underscore Barbarians. Our Instagram. Check out our, our Discord. Yeah. A lot going on there. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get more people in there so we can just like have secret shit going on without you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm so busy during the day. Like, what do I got time? I'm going to sit and yeah, have really long form discussions on, on the Online internet. with strangers, potentially. Well, it's like our group okay. chat, but just like it doesn't get lost to the sands of time every time we say some new shit. Right. You're right. convincing me. I mean, other people can do it. I don't hate on people who, who want to get on the Discord. Well, you guys we'll need, hate on you. I'm just, <laughs> I haven't gotten, I haven't come around yet. Sorry, where was that, Drake? You guys need, like, a management, you need a, a producer? Is that... Yeah, <laughs> we, we do, because yeah. it's hard to be a producer while also raising two children. <laughs> a social media manager. Yep. You need a team, huh? Well, yeah, he'll figure it out. Figure yeah, it, it's, it's growing. It's growing organically. Yeah, so. at its own pace. All right. Anyway.